Primary Care Knowledge Boost, Podcast 13, Resilience Part 2. Welcome to Primary Care Knowledge Boost. This episode is part two of the two-part resilience episodes. Um, so this one is with Dr. Rebecca Barron again, um, who we asked to talk to us on the podcast after we heard her speak at a First 5 GP event in Manchester that we really enjoyed. Rebecca talks a lot about GP resilience and I hope that the rest of our primary care colleagues also feel that this is applicable to the whole of the primary care team. Yeah, exactly. Um, last episode, um, we talked with Rebecca about what resilience is, um, where it's come from um, and some of the neuroscience behind the concepts. And this episode is more focused on organisational resilience. So as Rebecca explains, a lot of the tips about organisational resilience have overlaps with leadership skills. Rebecca starts with a little more about the evidence behind resilience and goes on to talk about specific resources that she's found helpful for her working life. And yeah, there are a lot of resources mentioned, um, but don't worry (laughs) about keeping track. Um, We'll put them all in the episode notes for you. Uh, In the last episode, we prefaced it with uh, some links about other resilience resources that we found useful and also highlighted the importance of working in a resilience system rather than solely focusing on individuals. So as a recap. Um, So, yeah, we agree with David Oliver's article in the BMJ from 2017 um, where he said it's an understandable impulse to give reassuring platitudes and shift responsibility for well-being onto individual practitioners. But a resilient system is what we need, one that adequately recruits, retains values and supports its employees. Yeah, exactly. We've focused on individual resilience. It doesn't replace the need to have a healthy working environment, though some of the skills around individual resilience might mitigate the impact of having a difficult job, as well as helping in other areas of our life and gaining skills that we can pass on to our patients. Yeah, completely agree. Um, And as we mentioned in the previous episode, we've um, now come across quite a lot of other resources to do with resilience and well-being. Um, So we heard Dr. Helen Garr talk at the RCGP conference about well-being and the five ways to well-being Mm. um, and definitely would tell you to look up her work. Um, It's really good. Um, And she has done an excellent um, podcast episode with EGP Learning Podblast. um, And you can hear her speak on that about the five ways to well-being. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And as we mentioned last time, Helen Garr works for the NHS. NHS Practitioner Health Service and that's a free confidential resource. It's for mental health issues and addiction and it's available to all doctors and dentists of any grade in England. Um, And another podcast completely devoted to the topic of resilience is You Are Not a Frog and that's by Dr Rachel Morris and that's a brilliant listen as well. So um, we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back. Um, We're talking again today to Dr. Rebecca Barron from Health Education Northwest, all about resilience. So um, we'd started talking about the evidence behind resilience and we're hoping to just start with a bit more about that. Okay. Yeah, great. Yeah. So I talked talked before now about a lot of the work of Martin Seligman. Um, There's lots of other work around. I particularly like the work of Barbara Fredrickson. So mm-hmm. she'd uh, worked with uh, Martin Seligman and she's another academic professor in America and has done lots of things around um, positivity. And her book, Positivity, sounds like it'd be really cringy, but it's a really good read. Mm-hmm. And again, she's not a kind of happy, clappy, jolly person, really. She's a mm-hmm. kind of proper, you know, proper scientist. And so one of the pieces of work that she did a while ago uh, with a guy called uh, Marcel Lasado, who's a statistician, mm-hmm. is that they... 
they did a piece of work sitting in um, offices and organizations and meetings in big companies in America and looking at the ratio of positive to negative kind of, you know, flavor of the discussion, not necessarily, you know, I like that shirt or that's a good thing, but just kind of was it generally positive or generally negative? And they worked out the ratio that you needed of positive to negative for an organization to be healthy. And you might like to take a stab at that really at what it is. Um, like 70 percent no no maybe even just 50 50 yeah 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 well you're probably 70 percent is closer because it's three to one actually oh right so you need a three to one ratio of positive to negative and that's a kind of measure and one of the things that she's shown and actually other work some of the leadership work that i really like has shown is that people like to work in positive organizations people are happier and they enjoy it more Mm. um and you know if you think about you know what the level the ratio is in the organization in which you're working Mm. um and i guess it's the difference between when you come into work and people say oh you know did you have a nice weekend and you know how's your daughter and you know uh you know how did you get on and oh that's a nice cake you brought in you know as opposed to oh here we are in work again it's that kind of slight Upbeatness and it makes a huge update, right. you know, difference. You know, like we were saying before about you know people smiling and feeling happy, yeah. and it it doesn't. It's not about what Barbara Fredrickson descri- describes as toxic insincerity. You're not aiming at ten to one. You know, okay. it's not being cringy. It is yeah. genuine, but it's actually kind of focusing on the positives. And and there's yeah. a little aside actually. There, there was a piece of work done looking at couples who were about to get married, and within a kind of marital relationship, that ratio needs to be about five to one. Wow. Oh, yeah 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 so uh, you know again not all you know sort of compliments but just the tenor of the conversation really but it's worth really thinking about that and I, I think one of the things you know I felt very much as a you know within my uh, practice um, and in any environment you know in environments that I work that actually if you're positive you know again not artificially but about the real things then actually it helps the mood and actually yeah. what what it shows is that people are happy working there and it's more likely to be a successful place to work yeah so that's kind of one of her, her purposes of work and the book talks about lots of different things she she's done some of the research about the benefits of mindfulness Mm. and um, I think initially she didn't think um, it was going to be that powerful but she was quite taken aback really about how effective mindfulness is Mm. and again I think coming back to the neuroscience of it and getting into that kind of positive bit of your brain the breathing aspects of it the vagal nerve aspects of it there's all sorts of elements why that makes it positive Um, so that's really interesting to look at and one of the other things that she talks about which I I think is really um, really useful thing to think about is that small little things make a difference Mm. so if you're going through something traumatic um, or you're supporting a patient through something traumatic yeah that small positive things can make a difference and when that um kind of memory of what happened is laid down that little positive thing makes a real big difference to it yeah. so you know i um went through you know a really difficult time a few years ago my husband was was terminally ill and you know mm. i'm not pretending it was easy it wasn't but actually mm. the support from friends and actually positive things from people made yeah. such a difference and actually the neuroscience shows that you then actually lay that memory down in a better way but it also means that when you're going through a really difficult time or an organization is small things make a big difference yeah you know i mean a lot of that might be down to cakes and chocolate and looking after people but you know just being there for somebody and and i think it probably is again what makes us so um 
that you know crucial um in terms of a gp role that um you know the fact that we are with patients through difficult times yeah. and actually y- when you when you are a patient going through that that kind of small positive contact is really way more powerful than you might imagine so i think that's a yeah. really lovely piece of what she does and she talks about being kind of curious and kind and mm. open to things and, and a kind of broaden and build sort of um approach um to developing so i'd recommend her to i mean her book positivity is a really good read mm. um and again there's a lot of her on the internet lots of stuff that she does yeah. Um, yeah. so she's really really powerful um, and is there any other evidence so we've got Barbara Friedrichsen and Martin Seligman. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's lots of other people around. I mean, Barbara Friedrichsen and Martin Seligman are both Americans, but Elaine Fox is um, a professor at Oxford and she's written a book called Rainy Brain, Sunny Brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, again, really interesting. So she started um, looking at whether there was a genetic basis to positivity okay, um, yeah. and I guess that links with him I was talking earlier wasn't there's probably about a 50% um, a, a genetic effect yeah. and um, so she found there is a gene that links with positivity nice. but it's really interesting because um, that if you have one of those genes then you're more likely to be positive so you'd think if you were homozygous with that gene you'd be even more positive <laughs> yeah. but it actually doesn't work like that and actually what makes a difference is having the right genetic basis um, and having the right environment. And the environment is really influential both ways. And I guess that comes back to the work with children. So we know children going through difficult situations, having, even if, you know, children are, you know, sort of orphans and have no family, Mm. having a significant adult who they have um, a, you know, positive relationship with and who supports them makes a huge difference to them. Um, In the same way, you know, we know, you know, if you're as a a trainee or you're learning something and you have a, you know, a trainer or, or somebody who's teaching you who really you feel supports you and in positive yeah. it has quite a kind of um you know greater than the sum of its part kind of effect on you quite a transformational yeah. approach really so that sort of links so although there is a big genetic component and what she talks about with genes she says genes are like dusty books on a shelf and mm-hmm. um it's about that gene being expressed and you almost have to take it down and kind of use it to make it work so i guess that's yeah. why some of the things that martin seligman talks about make a difference mm-hmm. um and she talks about the different ways people might be sort of influenced by something that's happened so say you do a surgery and you're kind of running an hour late mm-hmm. you could either come out of it thinking oh my goodness i'm a terrible gp that's really awful uh, <laughs> you know i don't know what i'm doing it's terrible or you could come out of it thinking actually i saw some really difficult patients it was really challenging yeah. and I, you know i did well so how people kind of attribute what's happened or the kind of the view of things. you know the kind of half full half empty sort of yeah. stuff um so her her work's really interesting and actually she's got some approaches you can do that can actually help you become a more of a sunny brain than yeah. a rainy brain okay. but coming back to you know why why do we have rainy brain and sunny brains you know was when we lived in the forest and there were bears out there so people with yeah. um um kind of rainy brains you know they might have been a bit negative but they kind of probably didn't get eaten by bears yeah and you know the sunny brains kind of went out and got eaten by bears so there's a sort <laughs> yeah. of genetic and, and and actually what she's demonstrated is people who are frightened of um snakes or spiders it's actually genetics and epigenetics i don't know if you're familiar with but the kind of yeah. you know um so the effect of epigenetics is a huge impact on how we pass things through much more quickly from sort of generation to generation. Uh, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I think we've touched on a, a few bits there about um, the organisation and how mm. that in general can help the individual become more resilient. Mm. Um, have you got um, kind of, oh, it's hard to say, but a summary of what 
can be done in organizational structures to try and help with resilience yeah and I mean I mean obviously looking at a lot of those areas can help um there's a really a lovely piece of work that was done a few years ago in um Canada looking at family doctors in Canada and they were originally thinking about looking um at um um you know causes for burnout and stress mm-hmm. um but what they decided to do was to look at um family doctors who they viewed as resilient or doing well yeah. and actually understanding why that was which is a really interesting piece of research so they interviewed um a, a number of um family doctors old young men women part-time full-time mm-hmm. and asked them what it was that you know you know made them enjoy what they were doing and and how yeah. they felt they'd coped yeah. and these were people who people had identified as people who were seeming positive yeah. and they came up with four areas and i think this is a really useful kind of sort of thumbnail to think about what can I do in my organization in the group of people I'm working with Mm. um so the first area was about your attitudes and perspectives so you know valuing what you do um and appreciating what you do in whatever you do I mean obviously in our role it's as a doctor but it could apply to other other roles and keeping your interest in the job um and being self-aware and being aware of your own limitations and you know if you're looking at general practice um, it's such a vast job it's huge and you can't know everything you know and you feel like you need to know everything but you can't and you know you're not going to get it right all the time because often we're dealing early in things so it's kind of being kind of aware of that and being I suppose kind to yourself in terms of what you can achieve um and 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 appreciating that and also I think sometimes we forget how special it is to be to be a doctor and I you know I said to my mum my husband was ill and I mean you're so grateful for you know health professionals and how they support you we sometimes forget that really yeah, I think we um, do. so that kind of aspect um the attitudes and perspective and then um they talked about balance and prioritization so actually having you know people talk about work-life balance don't they and it you know it's different for everybody what's right and wrong about that but about you know setting some limits and it's mm-hmm. you know some people like to do some work at home and get away from work earlier other people do it the other way it's not saying there's a right and wrong about that yeah. but actually having time to do some things we were talking about exercise and uh, earlier and actually that's about having time to, to let yourself yeah, do absolutely. those things yeah. value yourself and there was a really thing a lovely thing that they talked about about an effective approach to CPD um, you, you can have piles of articles that you know you need to read about and learn about yes. and and the people who were effective said you can't possibly read everything so you've got to yeah. prioritize um, don't beat yourself up because you haven't got time to do everything yeah. um, read the things that are important to you um, yeah. so that was the second area so how you balance and prioritize the third area was about um, supportive relationships in where you work. Um, and they may be within work or they may be outside of work, but how crucial those are. Um, I mean, we know that people who are in a peer group have half the risk of burnout. Um, yeah. So just being able to talk about what you do and if you can make that happen within your work environment and practices who you know can all have laptops and go and sit in a work and room and work together and know from the feedback we get from practices that has a huge impact yeah. and and you know support and supportive relationships outside of work um making time for those um is important we probably agree with that because the we from this year with the fellowship that we've been doing we've yeah. obviously had that peer relationship that we might not have had otherwise and it can be quite a lonely job going into it from mm. going from training straight into a a, a full-blown gp job and i think that yeah. that's really helped this year being yeah. able to have that peer relationship so i do completely agree with yeah, that totally. and, and finding peers that you get along with really i mean for me yeah. in my career you know being involved in education has been like that i've loved general practice um having the kind of educational peers who are keen 
um, that discussion and, and facilitating yeah. that and making that happen when you feel like you're busy yeah yes really important yeah um, that's true things go by the wayside sometimes when do. you're really busy and actually that's the time that you need to be trying to pick them up for easier said than done I guess that's it? right yeah. that's right you know yeah. people talk about just working with your door open so people can yes. come in yeah. and actually you know going you know making certain everybody gets together and has a coffee together or whatever yeah. really really crucial um, and then the final area is about the organisation of your environment so having good management and good systems in place yeah. and good staff yeah. and you know we all know how <laughs> aggravating it is like I don't know if the IT doesn't work or yes. something that doesn't work that that's you know you I mean when you're under, when you get that stress feeling that's chemical stress isn't it really yeah. and you kind of if your organization's good and things are well organized and you've got people um who you know support you and you know that feeling when you're working with a team who works well yeah, yeah. how much more relaxed everybody is so those four areas you kind of you, you know your perspective of how you work the work balance relationships and organization mm. think of those four areas and think what what am I doing well in those areas because there probably are things you're doing well mm-hmm. and other things that I could do that would work better um and, and 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 help me do better in those areas and it's really good as um as a team or as a practice or whatever to actually think about those four areas yeah and and think what could I do to to improve things yeah lovely. yeah yeah and then I guess that that has got a little bit of um personal um, as well as organisational in it. Um, Absolutely. Have you got any other advice in terms of personal resilience so what we can go out and do? We've talked a little bit about exercise, making time, relationships. Have you got any other um, advice? Yeah, I, I mean, and again, you know, I'm conscious a lot of this is is very personal to individuals. Um you know exercise we know is important and and helpful but for other people different things help I mean I'm a lover of the arts and theatre mm-hmm. and music and that can be really helpful um, and using time there's a concept I mean many years ago we used to a lot of work on time management and there's a concept of gift time and yeah. I mean obviously I know time is under pressure but one of the times that I think is worth thinking about is time if you're in the car if you're traveling yeah. and using that time either to listen to some music that you really love yeah and um, or to um read books or you know to alternate between one or the other yeah um, or podcasts yeah uh, definitely and <laughs> um, actually Absolutely. <laughs> we know that people are uplifted um by um intellectual stimulation yeah i mean you know that if you um watch television i mean i'm not saying there aren't good things on television but if people just kind of watch television it's mm. quite kind of da- it's, it doesn't actually generally lift your mood yeah reading a book actually does lift your mood and yeah. I think it's probably because of the interaction with the frontal cortex. I mean, I've, and that's just my interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, but that, there, there certainly is evidence that that makes a difference. So it's kind of, you know, it's sort of like if you're on your phone, you know, looking at pictures or all that kind yeah. of stuff. We all do that. That actually, if you have a book on your phone and you start reading the book, it can act, it can really have an influence on on how you feel. And yeah. um, so, you know, it's kind of what it's right for you. We often found people who've really discovered that they were good at art or good at writing or yeah. good at other things. Uh, and I'm conscious when people have got busy lives and you know family that can you know time is limited. But actually, thinking is there something each week that you'd like to do for you? Yeah, um, is is helpful. I mean, the other sort of aspects of things is, is that there's quite a lot of resources online that you can use. A lot of people are familiar with Headspace. Um, yes. I like a lot of the work that the Foundation for Positive Mental Health has done. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy called Alistair Dobbin, who's an academic GP in Scotland, um, developed a series of short tapes, probably each about 12 minutes. And you listen to, there's 12 tapes, you listen to each tape every day for a week, and then you move on to the next one. Yeah. And that's a mixture of positive psychology, mindfulness, meditation. They're really powerful. I've use them a few times and there's other aspects on there 
and you can follow his work and look at the research he's done behind it. Mm. So he developed yes. that initially for patients, um, but it's yeah. really powerful for anybody. Yeah. Um, How do you get access to those? So um, if you Google Foundation for Positive Mental Health, yeah. you'll find it'll come up. Okay. Um, and there's an app on your phone, a little blue ah, app. Um, okay. And again, there's a link to that on our on the health education website. Brilliant. Um, that's worth yeah. looking at. Great. So um, we'll try and find those and put them in the episode description if we can. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least link to the, the, the health education yeah. website. I mean, the other thing I haven't mentioned, which is worth thinking about is sleep i mean yes. i could talk i could talk for 40 minutes yes. about sleep and um, <laughs> um but some of you may be familiar there's been a lot of work around sleep recently um, and yeah. matthew walker's book um why we sleep um yes. is yeah. outstanding and talks um about why you know how sleep's developed from a evolutionary perspective which is fascinating in its own right yeah but there's a huge amount of evidence around sleep making you feel better and having enough sleep yeah. and that that the need for around eight hours sleep a day is crucial um for your mental health your mood um, fighting infections your health and that a lot of us kind of don't get that amount of sleep yeah. now i know that's Again, it's challenging in terms of the lifestyles people le- yeah. live, um, but it's very powerful. And if you look at people who get less six hours or less sleep a night, um, are something like three or four times more likely to catch a cold when oh. they're in contact with somebody who's ill. Yeah. And yeah. if you think if that has impact on other things, yeah. and what he talks about in the book is what happens in the brain whilst you're asleep. And it's amazing. Oh, it's really, really yeah. fascinating and has, again, lots of health links in terms of uh, chronic diseases and high blood pressure and yeah. also dementia. Um, because when you're asleep, um, one of the many things that happens is that the brain clears the amyloid from um, oh, uh, really? from what's okay. going on. I mean, I'm conscious, you know, you're not at any age where you're kind of at risk of those kind of things. Um, but it's, it, but it's um, the mind, uh, though, yeah. but from a sort of patient perspective, uh, you know, from a health perspective, more about um, um, infections and health yeah. and well-being um, has a big impact um and you know obviously there's stresses i wake up in the night worrying about patients or whatever um absolutely so that's yeah. interesting it's a really good tip I, I think books can be exceedingly helpful yeah um any other books that, that yeah you recommend? i mean lots is hard i've got a whole bookcase of them and uh, <laughs> a bit of a bookie really and um, i mean i think one of the things i'd say is a lot of this information is available you know, as we talked about podcasts, people talking online and audio books and really recommend uh, listening to some audio books. And I'd yeah. probably start with, you know, the Why We Sleep book is good. Um, yeah. Martin Seligman mainly is available as um, videos um, the okay. positivity book. I'm not certain if that's uh, available as an audio book, but listening to her, uh, listening to Barbara Fredrickson is good. I mean, the other book's really interesting. And there's a video of her speaking at one of our conferences yeah. is um, Vicky Culpin talking about her book, which is The Business of Sleep. She's really interesting, again, talking about the sleep work and how we view sleep and lack of sleep, how we can help it and kind of what the impact is on our environment. Mm-hmm. And it's particularly important for junior doctors working mm-hmm. shifts and nights. Yes. Um, I mean, yes, those are, you know, they are challenging. There are things that you can do that can help those. So she's really, really great to listen to as well. Very inspirational. Brilliant. There's a lovely book um, called um, uh, Daniel Kahneman books, Thinking Fast and Slow, which is quite a long mm-hmm. book. So I'm not, you might, you may, may or not want to read the whole book, but he talks about how we think and uh, he talks about type one and type two thinking. So type one thinking is the stuff that we do automatically, you know, quite quickly, mm. you know, two and two makes four and, you know, somebody comes in with an ear infection, you know, it's very straightforward. Yeah, you don't yeah. really, you're not stressing about what to do, you know, how to deal with it. Yeah. But other things are more difficult. And if it's more difficult, you have to do what's called type two thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And type two thinking is much harder on the brain 
Um, and the brain uses a lot of calories, actually. The brain's quite an energy um, needy organ. We tend not to think of that, really. Yeah. Um, but when you're on call and you're really busy or you're dealing with something that's difficult, I don't know if you ever find yourself needing some chocolate, really. Yes. Um, and that's because <laughs> your brain is telling you, um, actually, I need my sugar levels to be up to tackle this. Yeah. So I'm not proposing unhealthy diets for everybody. I'm very into healthy eating. Um, but you need to be aware that if you're doing something that's difficult, you're going to be doing some type two thinking mm. and you need to sustain yourself. So yeah. have a bit of chocolate or, you know, make sure you have a healthy lunch or whatever. And I mean, in the book, he talks about some evidence around um, judges um, granting parole to um, prisoners and um, uh, he's... Um, judges are more likely to grant parole which is the most difficult decision just after they've eaten yeah. so I know the sort of you know the common sort of view is after you've eaten you're all dozy and sleepy <laughs> but actually you are in a good place to think and I find if I'm working at home or writing mm. I need to you know regular trips to the fridge so you know yeah. it's just being aware of that really so his book's really really his that's really interesting yeah, um really so i mentioned earlier about bessel van der Kolk's book um the body keeps a score which is a mm-hmm. i mean it's quite an epic again that and um, really fascinating yeah um from um an organizational point of view there's a couple of books um i really like there's one called the new leader by oh. daniel goleman yeah. so daniel goleman's the guy who did a lot of the work behind um emotional intelligence and he talks about emotional intelligence and leadership and um, particularly the I mean the book the whole book's really good but particularly the first few chapters are really interesting about how we work together and the fact that people like working with people who are positive and how our limbic systems align Mm. and it's a really really useful book um Mm. and the other book that i kind of you know i've been recommending for many years is the seven habits of highly effective people um that you may have heard of i mean the book itself is you know it's a good book and again that's a really good one to listen to on cd yeah um um, and so the seven habits and really the seven habits cover a lot of what resilience is about so he starts off um talking about the first habit is about being proactive so actually what it says is you have a choice so if you're working in an environment that you're not happy with you have a choice on how it how it is and I remember first going into practice and it wasn't quite how I wanted it to be and I remember going on a course and actually the outcome of the course was actually I can influence this and I can have a say in it so you know wherever wherever you are you can have a say in it so be proactive um and then the second one is about begin with the end in mind so how would you like things to be Right. I mean, there's an exercise in the book about, um, you know, if it was your funeral, what would you like to have achieved? And I know that may be a slightly <laughs> kind of morbid way of looking at it, but actually really thinking about what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then do first things first. So from a time management perspective. Yeah, this is um, where I fall down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff around that, isn't it? And, I, and I'm, not, um, I'm not a kind of complete finisher. I'm not, I can leave things to the last minute. But I've learned to be efficient and actually yeah. having some skills around time management yeah. are really, really helpful. So um, it's doing the, the first, yeah, talk us through it. Well, so. doing first things first. So what he's saying, what they say is that some tasks are important, some are not important, some are urgent, some are not urgent. So we all, you know, if patients come in, you see, them you know because they're in front of you aren't they and those are those are really important parts of what we do but it's the other important things you know like getting the organization right so life would be easier like having an automated system to send referral letters um and there's a lovely um there's a there's just to digress that there's a lovely book about time management um which um which i really love which is called eat that frog um (laughs) so what um what that book's about is that your to-do list is like a list of frogs 
and uh, the bigger and uglier the frog the less you want to do that task and we all have you know that really difficult letter or something like that and actually that kind of nags away at your at your you know at your yeah. at your brain really kind of negatively and if you look at your to-do list and pick the biggest ugliest frog and get that done you feel so much better don't you, you? Do. yeah so it's kind it's of weight off your mind yeah. i mean there's loads of stuff on time management I and mean, there's a lovely thing which i i've kind of done for years so i read recently as a kind of method which is you know just have a list of three things and do those three things because it's so easy to become overwhelmed yeah uh, but anyway so that's this sort of you know his kind of do first things um first and then the second and um, three habits are around working with other people so he talks about think win-win so what he mm. says from that is that there is always a win-win solution it probably or it may not be what you originally wanted mm-hmm. um, um but there is and and if you believe that as a kind of mindset you know when things go wrong you can think well okay i can't do this but actually i can do that yeah. um, so kind of just thinking creatively and more broadly mm. um he talks about seek first to understand and then be understood i mean that's like the gp consultation isn't it really mm, yes. it's like the golden minute and you know ideas concerns and expectations but if you know what other people are thinking yeah um, then it's a great way of working with people and it's yeah. really powerful that's why gps make very good negotiators really i think and good leaders and then the third one is about synergize and that's about working with people that you don't get on with um i think and i think that's yeah. really useful because we all work with people you know, there's people you get on with there's people it's more difficult to get on with mm. well, actually what you realize is that they have skills that you don't so that yes. if you um so that's that's the sort of synergize and then the final habit which is kind of the resilient stuff is called sharpening the saw and what mm. he says is that if you you know if you if you saw and saw and saw a tree down and you never sharpened you saw you become inefficient really mm. yeah um so you know you've got to kind of look after yourself yeah so it's it's i mean and it is you know it's 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 been around a long time the seven habits it covers a lot of stuff um and they say the the cd of it is is a good way of uh, accessing it yeah brilliant so that's probably enough to keep you going i can provide more at <laughs> a later date but i'll probably be uh you probably kind of overwhelmed you with books yeah. <laughs> um you mentioned to us uh, i think about some resources and things online that might be helpful yes. um, for people to use. Yes. Yeah, if you Google NWPGMD, um, then that'll go to our website. There's a section on resources. Um, I think it's in the leadership section. Yeah. And there's some leadership resources and there's some resilience resources um so there's kind of lots of resources on that we do a leadership conference every year and often the themes are around things that would support resilience so have a look there and and most of the things i've mentioned there's some links to on there brilliant so we will make sure that's in the episode description yeah brilliant yeah um is there anything else that you'd like to add or what you want the listeners to take away from (laughs) it's a big topic area yeah 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 yeah. Um, no no but if there's anything specific that you kind of want them to go away i mean just that you know find the bit that makes a difference to you really what what it is for you you know i was talking at the beginning about that concept of a reservoir yeah yeah we do do a difficult job i mean i think it's a wonderful job and i i have a bit of a thing about general practice that it's kind of like chocolate i think it's fabulous but too much of it can you know (laughs) too much of a stress really yeah Um, Yeah. and you know when when, i mean at any time sometimes it can feel overwhelming but particularly when you start it can feel overwhelming so you know get help ask people you know you're not on your own really and, and just remember what you do is really special yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. lovely well mm-hmm. thank you very much for speaking to us it's been a fascinating topic area and we do really appreciate it yeah. pleasure thank you thank, thank you very much thanks uh so yeah some thought-provoking stuff there sarah i think yeah absolutely yeah so um i think the thing that i took away most was the idea that rebecca was talking about 
that small positive things can have quite a big impact during a bad or a difficult time. Um, and thinking about that from the clinician aspect, um, even though we might not feel like we're doing much for patients at times when they're going through trauma or through bad diagnoses or whatever, actually doing little things, just being there to listen, um, being around can have a massive impact and it might make them have a more positive um, outlook on that memory. Yeah, absolutely. I think when she was talking about it at first, it really reminded me of some of the difficult times I've had in my life and uh, attaching really positive memories around them um, for when people have been really helpful, even with just small things. So sort of thinking through that and kind of thinking how that would help patients or other staff members. Um, you know, it's, it's so applicable to everything, isn't it? Yeah, it is exactly. Um, and then I guess you can look at it from your own point of view as well. So say you're having a bad day um, or it's been an awful surgery or something like that. Yeah. Doing something small and positive for yourself. Yeah. Um, like, you know, getting some chocolate or looking at some <laughs> nice pictures of puppies um, <laughs> might make you have a more positive memory of that bad experience yeah. of the surgery um and things like maybe saying thanks or giving compliments to colleagues or yeah. if, if someone in, in, in the surgery is having a bad day maybe going and getting them some chocolate or doing yeah. something nice for them is a small positive thing that might make someone's day a lot 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 better true um thank you to those of you who've given us feedback or spoken to us on twitter using our handle at pckb podcast you can also email us on primarycarepodcasts at gmail.com um, the best way to let us know about things you'd like um, in the future or any other comments that you have um, would be to fill in our um, really quick one minute survey and we will put a link in the episode description for you again. Yeah, thanks to those of you who have filled that out. We're enjoying your suggestions and we are working in the background for those. Exactly. Yeah. And this is our official last episode for our fellowship year. Um, we've really enjoyed making these episodes and we've learned so much. Thank you to all of those who have listened to these episodes. We really appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. We can't believe how many of you are out there actually listening to these. <laughs> um, so we're really excited um, that we're going to be able to continue the podcasts beyond the fellowship year. Yeah. Um, but we will give you more information about that in our next episode in December, which will be um, going back to some more clinical topics. Yeah. Till next time on Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Hey guys, just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. They were recorded in Wigan in 2019. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions. The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for more information and for any links that we've mentioned in the episode.